Hopefully you all are doing well today. I'm doing wonderful because my Bulldogs won. Go, go dogs. If you have your Bible, please open it to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. We, we will be looking at verses 1 through 11, not 4 through 12. John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 11. Here's God's word to his beloved people. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During the supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all, given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, that he was going back to God, rose from supper, and had laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel he tied around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who has a, the one who has a bath does not need to wash except his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew what was to, he, for he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. This is God's holy, perfect, inerrant word. So please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to this part of our service, we still need you. We still need you to be the one to give us understanding. We still need one to take these words and apply it to the hearts of God's people. That we don't navigate this life apart from you, Lord, Holy Spirit. We need you, our helper, our counselor, our advocate. So, Holy Spirit, give us the humility that we need to be sensitive to your leading. Humble us and encourage us, challenge us, change us. And I pray for all of this in Christ's holy name. Amen. I said amen. amen. Okay. All right. Just checking. I know some of you were jumping up and down yesterday at football games. Now, come on. Amen. That's right. Come join the mission is an invitation to be part of our family, the, the family that we are building here at the Village Church. And we're, we're, we're hoping and praying to build a diverse family, a family that looks more and more like Revelation 7, 9, where John says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. That's 
what we're praying that the Holy Spirit would do here within the village church, a Revelation 7-9 type of community. And come join the vision, the mission is part of that. Come join the mission is an offer of discipleship, helping you be a disciple on mission, not simply a consumer looking for church amenities. Come join the mission is an exhortation to be fully present, a challenge to be all in. Like, if you're going to be here, be here. It's a call of duty to take ownership in the life of this particular local body of Christ. It's an opportunity to be a blessing to one another. Last week, we we talked about Mission Possible, and we discussed in detail the three phrases of our mission statement. Do you remember those phrases? To know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, to glorify Jesus. That's our mission. And our mission is our purpose. It it, it answers the question, why does the village church exist? Why do we exist as a church? To know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, to glorify Jesus. And our mission also supports our vision. And living out our mission, it will help us lead us to our vision. And our vision looks forward. it's, It's our future view of the village church. It's a portrait of what we want our diverse family to look like in years to come. Our vision is a picture of the future that gets us beyond Kumbaya. Our vision is a picture of the future that gets us beyond Kumbaya. I'd like to thank Marianne Hunter for that title. Thank you, Marianne. Our vision gets us beyond Kumbaya. It gets us beyond Summer Camp Church. Beyond superficial unity and harmony, beyond rose colored glasses or doing life together. It gets us beyond trying to have it all together, beyond the honeymoon phases of being part of a church like this. Because eventually the honeymoon phase goes away. Eventually it will. If you're new here, you loving it, you enjoying it. But guess what? Honeymoon is coming to an end at some point. I'm telling you, it's coming to an end. Our vision gets us beyond biases. It gets us beyond our cultural and political and personal preferences, beyond self-centeredness, beyond American individualism, beyond indifference, beyond judging others based on their ethnicity or, or their bank accounts. It gets us beyond simply being people who go to church together, beyond just sitting around, holding hands and singing, Kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya. My Lord. What's the vision of the village church? It's broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Take it in, memorize it, share it with your neighbor. Broken people coming together to embrace Jesus' love and to extend Jesus' love to other people. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're asking yourself. Why am I broken? Great question. Brokenness is a common experience for all people, for the Christian and the non-Christian. Who has issues? And if you forget that, that's an issue. We all have issues. We're messy. We're imperfect. We don't have it all together. And each of us are dealing with some kind of brokenness in our life. 
relationship brokenness, broken career, broken dreams, past pains, disappointments, poor health, financial problems, consequences for unwise decisions, substance abuse, infertility, sexual addiction, death of a parent, issues at school. The list goes on and on and on. We have issues. We have broken places in our life. But now all brokenness, but brokenness needs to be nuanced because we all are broken, but some people are more broken than others, okay? Not all brokenness is the same. Some people are dealing with issues that's been placed on them by the sins of other people because they've been sinned against in heinous ways. Domestic abuse, abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, child abuse, discrimination, parental abandonment, being bullied at school, losing everything from a hurricane, losing a loved one to gun violence. So some things we experience are not because of our own sin, it's because of sins other people placed on us. And that impacts us. That adds to our brokenness. And I can go on. There's other things that people can do to us that adds to that. So the brokenness that you face and experience is real. It's real. And here's the thing. Just because you ain't broken in that way doesn't mean other people are not. Because all our brokenness is not the same. It's different. Your brokenness is real and the brokenness that other people go through is real. It doesn't matter who we are. You can be an adult, a teen, preteen, or child. We deal with brokenness. And brokenness doesn't discriminate. It's an equal opportunist in all of our life. It comes through all of us. It comes for all of us. And the good news this morning is you don't have to hide it. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to let your brokenness define who you are. You don't have to let your, your, your soul be a grave that you bury your brokenness into. Because some of you may do that. You just suck it up and bury it deep. You don't have to do that. You can take it to Jesus. You can take it to him. If you are a believer today, take your brokenness and issues to Jesus. If you're a non-believer, you can take your brokenness and issues to him for the first time. Broken does not mean unlovable. Okay? Does not mean unlovable. Brokenness does not mean disposable. Does it mean you're undesirable? Does it mean you're unforgiven? Brokenness is a constant reminder that you will always need Jesus all the days of your life. Amen. The thorn in the flesh is what brokenness is. A constant reminder that you're going to need Jesus. There'll never be a point in your life where you say, I don't need him. It's a reminder that you need to know him, to enjoy him, and to glorify him. And if you don't know him, if you don't have saving faith in him, he invites you to come to him. To receive forgiveness. All you got to do is acknowledge your brokenness to him. All you got to do is confess him as Lord and Savior. All you got to do is repent of your sins and surrender to him. And guess what? When you do that, he will never turn you away. Jesus will never turn his back on you. He will never cast you out. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. But do you believe it? Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you and he will never permit the righteous to be moved. Amen. Amen. Proverbs, 
Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Brokenness can create anxiety. It can weigh you down. And some of you are anxious this morning. Some of you are weighed down by something. I don't know what it is. You know what it is. You come here on Sunday morning, you can hide it. But when you get home, it's always on your mind. That's why you can't sleep at night. But a good word from the Lord would empower you. It will free you. Do you know that Jesus is okay with you having issues? Do you believe that? That Jesus is okay with you having issues. He's okay with you not having it all together. But do you believe it? He's okay with everything in your life not being right. But do you believe it? He's even okay with you having broken places. But do you believe it? Jesus sees your issues. He understands your brokenness. And he ministers to that. Will you let him? He ministers to our brokenness individually and corporately through his love. See, something wonderful happens when we individually and we corporately strive together in the power of the Holy Spirit to know Jesus and to enjoy Jesus and to glorify Jesus. Our vision will become a reality. We will be broken people coming together to embrace and extend his love. We can embrace Jesus' love together. Within this local church, we can bear hug it. We can drink from it together. Let your whole existence marinate in Jesus's love for you. Let your brokenness marinate there. Let your issues marinate there. Let his love wash you. Some of us think he only washes us at conversion. And that's it. He still washes you. Still does. And the text before us today gives us one picture of how Jesus loves us. A picture of a love that goes beyond kumbaya. It takes place in the upper room during Jesus' last supper with his disciples. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus already knew that his hour to depart out of the world to the Father had come. Having loved his own in the world, he loved them to the end. As supper was taking place, the devil already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, son of Simon's son, to betray him. And Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God. Jesus gets up from this table fully knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. He gets up from the table knowing who he is, knowing that he came from God, knowing that he was going back to God, knowing that he was the son of God. He gets up from the table knowing that he is the God of man, knowing that he is the Messiah, he's Emmanuel, knowing that he's the Lamb of God. And the text says he's rose from the table, lays aside his outer garment, takes on a towel, ties it around his waist, pours water in the basin, and then he kneels to wash does something only a servant would do. Watch this, the feet of disciples, of his own disciples. You see, people aren't wearing sneakers in this culture, okay? There are no Nikes, no Adidas, no Timberlands. They're wearing sandals. And there are no sidewalks or paved roads. 
Their feet are constantly exposed to sand and to dust. And, and these earthly elements get their feet dirty, especially when it's raining. And it's customary for a host of a home to make water available to his guests. And Jesus mentions this in Luke 7:44. But the host doesn't wash the feet. It's delegated to a servant. Delegate to a servant because it's beneath the host to do such a thing. So he delegates that to someone that's beneath him. There's some dirty feet in this upper room. No host, no servant, but Jesus. Now, a but Jesus statement is an amen statement. Because Jesus is getting ready to go beyond kumbaya for these men. He rises from the table, humbles himself, takes on the role of a servant to wash the feet of his disciples with his hands. And he unties the towel around his waist and he dries their feet with that towel. Think about what is taking place in this upper room. This is the son of God kneeling to wash feet. Emmanuel, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Wonderful counselor, the Messiah, the mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, the great I am kneels to wash feet. Are you moved by that? Does it touch your soul? Does it move you to embrace more of his love and to extend that love? See, Jesus' love is more than poetic words. It's more than a Hallmark card, a Facebook post, a tweet. A sermon, more than a a conference on on love or a seminar on love. It's more than a Bible study. It's it's more than a podcast. It's more than a book. It's more than statements of denials and affirmations. His love is powerful, people. It's merciful and it's gracious. And his love is greater than your current struggle. His love is greater than your current struggle. Because he loves you without limits, without conditions. He loves you with his deeds, love with service, his love. He loves with accountability. His love is sacrificial. He loves you beyond kumbaya. But can you receive it? Can you receive it? Jesus washes the feet of people we want. Who is worthy? Of all the people in your life, who is worthy for you to get down your knees and wash their feet? Who? Who is worthy of that service? Who are you willing to humble yourself before and say, I'm going to wash your nasty feet and I'm going to enjoy it while I do it? Who is worthy of that type of service from you? Jesus washes the feet of a man who will later betray him. He washes the feet of men who will later do him dirty. He washes the feet of a man who would later deny him three times. He washes the feet of men who would let him down in the garden of Gethsemane. He washed the feet of men who would abandon him, leave him, and flee from him when he's arrested and put on trial. Jesus washes the feet of broken people, not righteous people. He washes the feet of sinners, the self-righteous and the unrighteous, the moral and the immoral, the accepted and the outcast, the imperfect and the so-called perfect, the rich and the poor. The drug addict, the Alabama fan. That's for you, Richard. (laughs) 
the Republican, the Democrat, the Independent. He washed the feet of the capitalist and the socialist, the pro-life person and the pro-choice person. He washed the feet of the social justice warrior. Jesus is willing to kneel before the broken in order to wash their feet. He's ready to get dirty with other people's dirt. That includes your dirt. That's love beyond kumbaya. That's love beyond just words. Can a brother get an amen for somebody? Verse 1 says, he loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the other end. And in John 15, 13, he says, greater love than no one than this, than someone should lay down his life for his friends. Do you understand his love? Are you willing to allow him to love you this way? Look at his disciples. They are physical recipients of his love, and yet they don't fully understand what's happening. They don't fully understand what is taking place. It's like experiencing an awkward moment while hanging out with friends. Now, everyone is uncomfortable, and you make eye contact with each other, but no one says anything. But eventually, you have that one friend in the group who does. That's Peter for the disciples. He don't understand what's happening, but he asks Jesus this question. Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus says to him, what am I doing, Peter? You don't understand now, but afterwards, you will understand. But Peter, in boldness and confidence, says, Lord, you should never wash my feet. You should never wash my feet. Really, Peter? He refuses to foot washing because he doesn't understand what's happening. He doesn't see the point. He thinks it's beneath Jesus. Hard for him to comprehend that Jesus, his Lord, will humble himself so low in order to wash his feet. And Peter refuses it. He tries to stop Jesus. Do you see it? He put limits on how Jesus can love him. What about you? What about you? What about you? Are you putting limits on how Jesus can love you? Jesus, you should never wash my feet. As long as I'm alive, Jesus, you should never wash my feet. Are you limiting the way he can love you? Can Jesus love you beyond kumbaya? Can Jesus wash your feet? Can he wash your brokenness? Can he wash your issues? And this this sermon ain't just for the adults. It's for every kid here. And if you ain't paying attention to me, kid, you ain't paying attention to Jesus right now because he's talking to you. Your mom and dad ain't the only one with issues. You got issues, too. You got brokenness, too. You're either going to take it to Jesus now or you're going to take it to him later. It's for you. Ain't just for mom and dad. It's for you too. Listen to Jesus' response to Peter. He says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Notice that Jesus said, he says, if I do not wash you, he was referring to the whole person, not simply part of the person. Jesus doesn't just wash feet. He washes the whole person, the, the whole body. And Peter says, Lord, not on my feet only, but also on my hand and my head. And next, look at and Jesus' next response to him makes a clear distinction between a full bath and just a foot washing. He says to Peter, the one who has a bath does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not every one of you. See, there's a difference between washing off in the sink and taking a bath in the tub. 
There's a difference between washing off in the sink. Not like you don't know what you're talking about. Everybody know washed off in the sink at some point in their life. There's a difference between you washing off in the sink and you getting in the actual tub and taking a bath. There's a difference between a partial bath and a full bath. Judas got a partial bath. He got his feet washed, but he didn't get his whole body washed. That's why he's not fully clean. He doesn't get the full bath. That's why he's not fully clean. That's why he, Jesus says to Peter, you are clean, but not every one of you. Many people simply just want Jesus to wash their feet because they only need a little bit of Jesus. They want a partial bath from Jesus. Not a full bath, but a partial bath would never make you clean. Washing off in the sink does not make you clean. You need a full bath from Jesus. And that bath is in the tub of his in the tub of the cross. And the water is his blood. The cross is the tub. And his blood is the water. And if you ain't in that, you ain't clean. You ain't saved. You lost. You lost still. There's a hymn that says, There's a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Are you, are you, are you underneath that flood? Are you there? And his precious blood will never lose his power. But do you believe it? The prophet Isaiah says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace and with his stripes we are healed. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Believers, embrace it. Embrace it. Do you know that Jesus loves you with an unfailing love? With a love that washes your whole body? With a love that's humble? With a love that's long-suffering? With a love that's sacrificial? With a love that's understanding? With a love that adores you? That adores you? With a love that's unconditional? With a love that builds you up? With a love that holds you accountable? With a love that will always pursue you. Do you believe that? With a love that forgives you. With a love that goes beyond kun by Yah. Non-believer. Do you want to embrace this love? He invites you to embrace it. He invites you to the fountain to receive everlasting life. All you got to do is acknowledge your sin to him. Confess him as Lord and Savior. Surrender to him. Trust him. Depend upon him. Rest on him. If you're drowning in the sea, then Jesus is your life preserver. If you're drowning in the sea of your sin, Jesus is your preserver. Will you take it? Will you take it? All you got to do is receive it. All you got to do is receive it. This week, my friend, Reverend Leon Brown, posted something on Facebook uh, that had me saying Amen. And it caused me to change a, a part of my sermon. He said, this is what he says. He said, here's a statement that I would perf- uh, perfectly content to never hear again. That Jesus died to save your soul. Why, Leon asks, he answers, it's incomplete. It bleeds a Gnosticism. Jesus cares about me holistically, body and soul. You want proof? His Hebrew body and correspondingly his soul was placed on a tree. Later they put in the tomb to only rise from the dead in three days to ensure that my body and soul will one day rise also. Jesus cares about the whole person. He cares about all of you. Your physical life, your emotional life, your relational life, your social life, your mental life, 
and your spiritual life. He washes all of you, not just part of who you are as a person. He washes your soul. He washes your body. And guess what? He's in the process of redeeming you holistically. Holistic redemption. Spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental. He loves the whole you. And in the words of R&B singer John Legend, Jesus says, all of me loves all of you. Loves your curves and all your edges. All your perfect imperfections. All of Jesus loves all of you. Do you believe it? Are you embracing it? It's love beyond kumbaya. Remember the words he said to Peter, the one who has a bath does not need to be washed except for his feet. But this person is completely clean. To be bathed by Jesus means you're saved. You're completely clean. And if you're completely clean, then then why do you need to have your feet washed? Why, why do you need that? What is Jesus talking about here? The foot washing symbolizes what Jesus continues to do in your life as a believer. It's post-conversion healing, post-conversion restoration, post-conversion resurrection. It's post-conversion intercession. It's post-conversion conviction. The foot washing means Jesus continues to minister to your brokenness. All the days of your life, he continues to wash your issues. It means what Psalm 32 says, blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's what the foot washer symbolizes, that Jesus still pursues you. He's still on your side. Jesus is loving you, but Yankumaya means it's okay for you to have issues. Okay for you to have issues. It's okay for you to be imperfect. You ain't in heaven yet. You ain't in heaven yet. You ain't you ain't ever going to be in this life who you're going to be. And some of you need to accept that. You ain't ever going to be who you're going to be in glory in this life. You're going to have struggles. And Jesus is okay with that. You need to be okay with that. Be okay with it. It's okay. short. It's even okay for you to struggle with sin with a repentant heart. Jesus loving you, Benyam Kumbaya, gives you freedom to struggle. Okay? You ain't ever going to be the perfect spouse. You ain't ever going to be the perfect parent. You ain't ever going to be the perfect child. You ain't ever going to have a perfect life. And you need to be okay with that. His love gives you freedom to even deal with your pain from your past. It gives you freedom to be okay with life not always being okay. It gives you freedom to ask for help when you need help. There's a hymn that says, Oh, love that will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thy ocean depths it flow may richer, fuller be. That's love of Yon Kumbaya. Can you embrace it? For our 11th anniversary, Waikita and I did something different um, that year. I shared, you, I shared this with you two years ago, but I'm going to share it again because I like it. That year, we had $11 to spend on gifts and, uh, and, uh, and presents. And it was, we were creative at, for that. You know, we shared these little gifts and these little notes that represented our 11 years as husband and wife. And Waikita hit a grand slam that year. Every gift was, was put on our own. 
And one gift was this big old pencil here, if you can see it. This was one of the gifts she gave me for our 11th year anniversary. And this pencil, it, it symbolizes something wonderful that both of us have been, have been practicing for 13 years now. When she gave me this pencil, she said this. She says, over these 11 years, you have never written my sin and shortcomings in ink. You wrote them with pencil, and you erased them with your forgiveness. Now, that's what Jesus does to us. That's what he does for us post-conversion. He never writes your sin in ink. He writes it in pencil, and he always erases it. But do you believe that? He's not, he's not walking around with a Sharpie, writing it in, in permanent ink. It's with a pencil. And his forgiveness is going to erase it every time. But some of you don't believe that. You carry the weight of your own sin, and you don't have to. You, you, you labor, you think about it all the time. Repent and move on, for crying out loud. He died on the cross for your sins. You don't, he doesn't need a teammate. Doesn't need a teammate. He doesn't need a team, doesn't need you. Doesn't need your blood. Doesn't need you beating yourself up. Live in freedom. Live, live free. Stop wallowing. And just receive the fact that you live under grace. And it's okay. And this table, oh, Lord, this table, is a constant reminder that Jesus' love and forgiveness continues to erase all your sin. It's a reminder that he will forever love you beyond kumbaya. It's a reminder that his love for you will never fail. It's a reminder that all your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. Forgiven. All you got to do is embrace it. Friends and neighbors, if you're here and you don't know Christ, thank you for coming. And if you have a question of what it means to know Christ, please see me after service, and I can tell you how you can have forgiveness and never have to live on the shame and guilt of your sin anymore. Adults, we ask that the kids with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the table by the elders of the church that you attend. Now, all kiddos, I need the attention of all the village kids. This meal is a reminder that Jesus loves you beyond kumbaya. It's a reminder that he really died for your sins on the cross. It's a reminder that when you receive him in faith, when you trust him as Lord and Savior, that sin is forgiven. That sin is forgiven. And you no longer have to bear that anymore. And as your pastor, it's my prayer that each of you may will one day come to saving faith and be able to partake of this meal with your covenant family here at the Village Church. That's my prayer for you. Now, I'd like to have the, those assisting with the elements please come forward.